Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Robert Land, and welcome back to Locked On Texans, brought to you by SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. And joining me is Sports Talk 790 host of The Source and Scout Fantasy Sirius XM host Jason Braddock. He's my old friend from the Houston Sports Talk podcast. Great to have you back with me, Jason. And one of the things we talked about a few months ago after the Texans had signed Brack Osweiler, you, you weren't a big fan of his. Obviously, he's had his struggles so far. What are you seeing? Is it anything different from what you saw a few months ago before they signed him? No, I don't think there is anything different at all and that's that's the problem when you watched them on tape with the Denver Broncos you didn't see them progressing and a, a lot of times and you still hear the owners here repeatedly saying in the front office and the head coach saying that you're seeing him developing you're seeing him grow uh able to to build more and more as a resume as a quarterback but there's areas of his games that there's still no growth in and when you go out there against this bad Detroit Lions defense and you don't even throw for 200 yards, you throw one touchdown, one interception, there's issues there. Listen, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Blaine Gabbert are the only guys who have had lower quarterback ratings than Brock Osweiler this year. And both of those guys were benched for Geno Smith and Colin Kaepernick. That's basically sums up the easiest way I can spell it out that Brock Osweiler is not playing good. What about the receivers? Are they to, at all to blame? Because you got a bunch of receivers that are pretty pretty young. Uh, Will Fuller's just learning this offense as well. Uh, obviously, he's been in and out too, but Jalen Strong's only in his second year. I mean, New Hopkins, we know he's been in it for a while, so he should know what's going on. But what are you seeing from the receivers? Are, can they take any of the blame? Well, here let's start with that. Let's start with New Hopkins. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, we all labeled in the media, not just here in Houston, but it, like you mentioned, I do a fantasy show as well. The opinion nationally and the label we put on DeAndre Hopkins was that he was quarterback proof. Because no matter what quarterback you put out there, whether it's Hoyer or Keenum or T.J. Yates, or it really didn't matter who the quarterback was. They could get DeAndre Hopkins the ball, and he was an unstoppable force. What's changed? Bill O'Brien's still here. The offense is the same. The only thing that's changed is that you paid a guy $18 million to come in and be your quarterback, and he's the first quarterback that can't get DeAndre Hopkins the ball. So we could go in and overanalyze the wide receiver position, whether it's Will Fuller or Jalen Strong and all that. The fact of the matter is they upgraded that wide receiver position over the Nate Washington and Cecil Short. So it's not like the wide receiver position got worse. It's on the quarterback. It's as simple as that. So you think Hopkins, he's getting open as much as he normally is. It's just Brock isn't finding him when he's open or he's just not making those passes 
that the other quarterbacks could make where it would give DeAndre the chance to, to get the ball? He, he's not an accurate passer. When I evaluated the film of Brock coming out of Denver, I labeled him a, a proximity thrower. And what I mean by that is that he can hit the dartboard, but he's not going to hit the bullseye. With DeAndre Hopkins, you have to give him a chance. He's never been a guy that separated well. One of the reasons the Texans got him at the bottom of the first round instead of him going somewhere in the middle or a top 10 pick is because he never had top end elite speed. He hasn't had to. Uh, he can separate through the routes. And even if a guy's in his hip pocket, if you put the ball where it's supposed to be as a professional quarterback, it gives him an opportunity to win those 50-50 balls. The problem is, is when you're, you're placing the ball on the cornerback side instead of the back shoulder or the as too low to where DeAndre has to not only go up and elevate he also has to go up and over to get to the ball so the the accuracy is one of the biggest issues while we're not seeing DeAndre Hopkins be the DeAndre Hopkins that we have come to know and respect in the NFL. So the biggest thing is going to be Brock Osweiler's accuracy. The other thing is he doesn't have what Bill O'Brien labels as a quick mind, a guy that can just sit there and scan through his progressions effortlessly. And all, all of it in this type of offense, all of it adds up. When you go from a Kubiak user-friendly type of offense, and what I mean by that you could just basically plug in mediocre quarterbacks. Look, Matt Schaub almost threw for 4,800 yards in a Kubiak offense. You can plug in mediocre quarterbacks, and they can play stellar or to above-average football. And that's what Brock did in Denver. He was never stellar. He played uh, between average and above-average at times because it's such a user-friendly offense. But he said he wanted to go to something where he had full reign over it and he can audible out and all that. The problem is just because a guy says something doesn't make it true. And I think that's the biggest thing not only the the media and the front office and coaching staff needs to learn about the Texans. I think fans need to know that as well, too. Don't just eat up everything that's being fed to you. To the best of your knowledge, what is the sell factor as far as uh, Bill O'Brien, Rick Smith, Bob McNair? Who's where on Brock Osweiler at this point in the process? I think Bill O'Brien has buyer's remorse. And I reported several months ago um, before the regular season started that this was Bob McNair and Rick Smith. They wanted... They wanted to go out there and have an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl in their own building. We all know the Super Bowl's in Houston this year. And Bob McNair and Rick Smith wanted an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl in their building. They knew they had a good defense. They knew they would go invest in free agency at the running back position, go into the draft and get speed all over. And they felt that going and getting a quarterback that gave him the opportunity to play and, and win the team games instead of just manage games would give them a shot at making it to the Super Bowl in their own building. And that's what they wanted to do. And they sold Bill O'Brien on Brock Osweiler. Uh, when they went to him, they sold him on. And Bill O'Brien eventually signed off on Brock Osweiler being his quarterback of the future. Uh, if you're asking me my opinion on where I think they all at now, I think Bob McNair and Rick Smith are talking each other into still thinking that this guy is like like Bob McNair's comments this week that he's basically still a rookie. No, he's not. Guy's in his fifth year. He learned behind a Hall of Famer. He should be able to play at a high level. You're paying this guy 
Every week when he goes in and gets his game check for that week, it's over a million dollars. Rookies don't get paid like that. You went and got this guy to be able to get you to a Super Bowl this year. That's what fans should be expecting. He's the worst quarterback in the NFL that hasn't been benched. That's not my opinion. That's what the stats, the ratings, the rankings, everything says. He's the worst quarterback in the NFL that hasn't been benched. And if we're being honest about this, the only reason he's not being benched is because this franchise thought he was an $18 million a year quarterback. And now they have to live with that. I want to ask you about the Texans moving forward with their quarterback. But I just want to remind people, if you're looking for tickets to the next Texans game, SeatGeek is the best and easiest way, the smartest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. Nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest games of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps and can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. And with SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites prices can vary where you shop but SeatGeek always finds you the lowest available price and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck that's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value you'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget plus SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence best of all my listeners can get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase to get your $20 rebate on tickets. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code LOTexans. That's LOTexans for locked on Texans. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code today. And and Jason, I want to get back to what you would do with quarterback are you would so you're ready to draft already next season and maybe get get a guy and and give Brock a little bit of competition going into the next season I would assume right I would have drafted this year I said uh headed into free agency and there wasn't anybody out there that was really appealing as a guy that could be the one to put you over the hump at that quarterback position in free agency I said if I'm the Texans then for once as a franchise that has undervalued the most important position in all of sports, they need to go back and invest and trust their scouts. You're employing all these scouts and you have a GM. Uh, You employ these guys to trust their evaluation of what they're seeing on film. So take these guys, find out what quarterback could possibly be a franchise quarterback in that first round. That's what the Denver Broncos did. When they let Brock Osweiler walk, uh, and they went out there. They had Trevor Simeon. They traded for Mark Sanchez. And then they drafted a guy in the first round, uh, Paxton Lynch. They paid Paxton Lynch four years, $9 million, with a fifth-year option, while the Texans paid Brock Osweiler four years, $72 million. And here's the thing. We're seeing Trevor Simeon able to manage the games enough to keep the, the Broncos relevant to the point where they're 6-2 and two with a better record than the Texans. The Texans, the biggest difference between Denver and the Texans, the Texans don't trust their evaluation of quarterbacks enough. They haven't drafted a quarterback in the first round since David Carr, the first pick ever back in 2002. I would have drafted a quarterback in the first round last year. 
And I would have went into this season with Tom Savage and whether you keep Brian Hoyer or if you get go get another middle-of-the-road veteran, that's what I would have went into the season with. And if you would have done that, you wouldn't have had worse quarterback play because if you look statistically, there's been no worse quarterback play that hasn't been benched. So I, I, I still think you, you invest first-round picks in quarterbacks. Since 2004, Robert, there's only been two quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl that wasn't drafted by the team they won the Super Bowl with, and that's two Hall of Famers, Drew Brees and Peyton Manning, and both of them had circumstances in which they were coming off injuries. Teams didn't know if they would get back to be that guy. And so unless you can get a future Hall of Famer in free agency, you have to draft the guy and develop them. What's more, Robert, is that we're seeing Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys be one of the best teams in the NFL with this rookie quarterback. And let me throw this out there to you, Robert. Dak Prescott was drafted in the fourth round, pick 135. You know when Tom Savage was drafted? Fourth round. Pick 135, exact same pick. What that means is that the NFL and these teams, Dallas and Houston, had the same type of valuation and grade on Dak Prescott and Tom Savage. Sometimes the unknown is better than the known, Robert. Yeah, I've said this also, though, uh, Jason, the, the Dak Prescott guys that perform in their rookie year, even a Carson Wentz who's had some success in his rookie year, they're, they're kind of the rarity, aren't they? I mean, the quarterback, the NFL quarterbacks that come in and immediately do it their first year. And I'm not all on board with maybe necessarily with Bob McNair saying this is like his rookie season because he has been around the league. But, you know, just because you've been on the bench doesn't mean you're used to the speed of the game. And he's also learning a new offense this season. So there, there are other factors involved with that. But, it, you know, to have a guy to come in as a rookie, I don't know if that's really realistic. I mean, even guys like Peyton Manning, uh, and I mentioned this before, he led the league in interceptions his first season. It, it took him some time. Even Tom Brady, it took some time. A lot of these guys, their first year as a starter, it, it does take some time, right? Here's the thing. There's a couple interesting things you said there, and uh, and uh, uh, several of those things have been being sold to the fan base as well. And this is where I'm going to shoot holes through that. How many games did Jimmy Garoppolo start? before uh, he, he played for the <clears throat> Patriots and started games for the Patriots with Brady out this year. None. Right. He started zero. But the Patriots didn't treat him like light or act like he was a rookie because the fact of the matter was he was learning behind Tom Brady throughout this whole process. He was a second-round pick, just like Brock Osweiler was a second-round pick. The fact of the matter, either you have it or you don't. Nobody was laboring Jimmy Garoppolo, a rookie, when he came in for the New England Patriots. You know what he did when he got in there? He was rated as one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, didn't throw any interceptions, if I'm not mistaken, and was playing out of his mind until the injury. Uh, and then, obviously, Brady came back by the time Garoppolo was healthy again. So, no, I don't buy the whole rookie talk where he's got to get in there. He had seven more starts than Jimmy Garoppolo did. Garoppolo played like a guy that was drafted in the second round that could be a future franchise guy. Brock Osweiler never played like that guy. There was nothing to see on tape. And if you feel like when the Texans, I don't remember hearing the Texans front office or coaching staff going out there when they gave a $72 million contract, $37 million guaranteed, and $18 million to Brock Osweiler. I don't remember in the press conference where this coaching staff and front office said we're basically going out there to get this guy who's basically a rookie. 
No, they sold to the fan base at that time that this was their franchise guy and he gave them the chance to be a contender in the market. And now they've regressed and bagged you Now they want everyone to treat this guy like a rookie. Well, which is it? Is it the franchise guy you were touting up on the day that you signed him? Or is it the guy that's struggling and playing like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL? And now he's, he's a rookie. We're supposed to buy into him being a rookie. Here's the thing, Robert, if they drafted a guy in the first round, I'm not saying playing them in the first round. I say play Tom Savage. This fan base, this front office, once again, let's go back to what this front office and what everyone said about Bill O'Brien when he was hired. Let's not use their words now. Let's use their words with what they told us at the beginning of the book, not at the mid-chapters or later in the story when they have to to change everything that they've been saying. They said Bill O'Brien was one of the guys they hired because of how well he was with quarterbacks. He was a quarterback guru, and they made the fan base feel that they would finally get their franchise guy, you know, be able to get a guy that will be up there with the Brady's and the Peyton Manning's or the Russell Wilson's and the Cam Newton's of the world. So let's, let's go back and look at that. Bill O'Brien, one of the first pro days he went to was Tom Savage pro days. He worked them out personally, fell in love with them, loved them so much that they passed on Jimmy Garoppolo at the top of the second round to take Xavier Suafila, drafted Tom Savage. Then they placed him on IR last year for an injury that he would have been back on in two to four weeks. Didn't even give him the designation for return to come back and wasted his whole second year. So coming into the third year, Trust your evaluation that made you use a fourth round pick on Savage and you were so comfortable with taking Savage that you said it allowed you to pass on a quarterback there in the second round, which would have been Garoppolo. So what I'm saying is you can't have it both ways. You, you didn't have to play a rookie if you draft him in the first round. You could have went with Savage because this is the guy this franchise and this head coach signed off on of being the guy of the future. And they developed, and he's shown enough to me throughout the preseason and the offseason year after year in growth that I'm not too sure that he's not better than uh, Brock Osweiler. Is there anything that you think that he does better than Brock? Accuracy, maybe? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. Well, he'll still have some struggles with accuracy. You won't really get to know what Tom Savage is until he gets in there for multiple games with live bullets. But the biggest difference between Tom Savage, Tom Savage and Brock Osweiler is uh, let me figure out how to say this professionally. Uh, he'll let him hang. <laughs> he'll stand there in the pocket and with a double a gap bliss and knowing that he's going to get drilled in the chops. He's going to deliver a bullet right you know right on point and he'll take that hit we've seen over and over again where brock osweiler will turn his hips and runs and not throw with a a set base because he doesn't want the contact go back and watch the broncos game some of those players were basically laughing at him because he's he's not he's going away from his fundamentals to get away from the contact he doesn't have the he doesn't have the strength of the courage to stand in there in the pocket and take those big hits and still deliver the ball. Like we've seen from Tom Savage uh, on his Pittsburgh tape when he was coming out of college and Tom Savage throws one of the most beautiful balls that I've ever seen of any quarterback uh, here in Houston. Do you think they have the guts to make a change there? If uh, Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. I don't think I think you said the exact word guts. And I I think this franchise lacks guts. I don't think they have the guts to stand up and own their mistake. I mean, we we already see that. And and how can you expect a coach 
to stand up and man up to his mistakes if the GM doesn't? How do you expect the GM to do it if the owner doesn't? There's no accountability all the way to the top. When you have the owner coming out and saying that this guy is basically a rookie, he's He's giving excuses for his GM to his coaches all the way down to the quarterback. There is no reason for Brock Osweiler to even be concerned about losing his job because he's on a he's in an organization that will accept mediocrity at the quarterback position. What's the difference between CJ Fedorowicz uh, the last two years and this year? Have you seen a huge difference with with his play? Is just, just as getting open or what what has changed with him? Oh, the main thing is they're making it a focus point, but it's not as simple as that. He has he has developed. I've talked to him each year in the locker room about his growth, and he said that first year as a rookie, his head was swimming. They ask a lot of the tight ends in this offense. He was telling me that in most offenses in the NFL, uh, they'll run away from the tight end. You're not on the front side. You're on the back side blocking. He said in this offense, they put a lot on the tight ends where they will run, you know, run to the front side where the tight ends are lead blocking. So you have to be on point in that. Then on these routes, he would talk about on the option routes, you have to be on the same page as the quarterback. You have to see what uh, see what the quarterback sees when you're getting there on these option routes, whether the, the linebacker is dropping, if the safety's in position, if they're outside. So it's a lot for a guy coming into the league. And he's still a young guy. I think we probably got a little bit too carried away to write him off early, but he's still a young guy and a young guy that's dealt with injuries throughout. So I, I think not having those injuries not having to think so much we're seeing him being able to go out there and play and he's a big body guy I remember his rookie year the first thing that stood out to me the first practice uh where that rookie class was there at rookie minicamp CJ Fedorowicz and Clowney started coming down the, the steps together out there at NRG and they started coming down those steps and I'm like man they're basically twins <laughs> in their size and we always talk about how big and athletic Clowney is and if you saw cj Fedorowicz for that first time next to Clowney, they they were basically twins as far as height weight size and so that's how big Fedorowicz is so he's a huge target a guy that you can hit and he has some yak ability not yak that he's going to take it to the house 60 70 80 yards but yak to to move those chains and i think that's where we're seeing the growth in his game last thing and you mentioned Clowney, and i want to ask you about him because it looks like he's been obviously the health being on the field is a big deal as as always with him, but it looks like he's made some progress. Where do you think he is and, and how much more do you think he can improve? Are are you seeing development from game to game with him still? Oh, absolutely. A lot of times when you're the number one overall pick, there's gonna be so much heightened awareness on you. And then when it's your health you start to press so much. What Jadavion Clowney was doing in the past was trying to press and try to do too much because he heard everyone talking about, oh, well, they should have took Khalil Mack. And pass rushers, they develop at different times. Let's stay right here in Houston. Khalil, uh, excuse me, Whitney Merciless. In that draft class, a lot of people wanted the Texans to either take Whitney Merciless as a pass rusher or Nick Perry. Both of those guys, we saw Whitney Merciless not break out until last year when he got his uh, second contract here with the Texans. Nick Perry bet on himself this year with, I believe, a one-year deal, and we're seeing him have his breakout year. Pass rushers is one of the toughest positions where you're going against professionals that know all the tricks of the trades to hold and grab the jerseys, get inside the shoulder pass, and limit you, and, and you struggle to come out. Another guy that played in college football in the same state as Clowney, Vic Beasley, 
Clowney. They were already labeling this guy a bust last year, like everyone was labeling Clowney a bust after his first two years. Now Vic Beasley is tied for third in the NFL, I believe, in sacks with seven and a half. Some of these guys get it year one, which is very rare. Some of these guys get it year two. For others, it doesn't click to year three, year four, or year five. At that pass rusher position, you can't evaluate these guys like you do with wide receivers or maybe running backs at other positions where you get that return on investment immediately. And that's heightened even more when you're the number one overall pick and everyone calls you a generational talent. So I think we're seeing clowning come into his own and they're asking him to do a lot, a lot that you don't see most people asked of. I mean, at his size to play three, four DN kick out and sub packages as a pass rusher. I think his, if you took Jadavion Clowney, Robert and placed them in a wide nine technique, this guy would be a 12 to 16 sack a year type guy. And so the, the sacks will come, but you got him on the interior. He'll have more tackles for losses. He will get some sacks, uh, but he's mostly what Jadavion Clowney is going to do isn't even going to show up in the stat sheet. He's going to be a disruptor and just mess things up for an offense. So fans should just ignore the, the flash numbers because he's not really doing what they wanted him to do to begin with. Yeah, don't. Uh, the, the biggest thing for fans, you know, don't just don't what I like to call stat hump. Don't just look at Jadavion Clowney's stats at the end of the game. Go and you know, go and watch the film. See what he's doing different. You know, see how big of a factor he is. Uh, are, are quarterbacks having to alter the way they throw? Are they having to run out the pockets? Are running backs having to bounce the ball three, four yards deep in the pocket? To uh, I mean, uh, outside the tackles just to avoid Clowney, and it disrupts the play. And even if Clowney's not making the tackle, he's messing it up. I've seen numerous sacks from other tech players that come from Clowney take you know running a stunt and taking on two and just giving someone an open pass here's uh, a tweet I saw as we were on the phone earlier I'll read this out to you Robert uh, Andy Benoit who's probably studies more film than most people in the NFL he, he was doing some Texans Lions review and this is what he had uh, a, a note he tweeted out on watching Clowney. He said Clowney aligned in multiple spots on the first series and made a ton of noise rushing the passer explosive in his first move. That's, you know, national media is starting to catch up with what us here in Houston who study game in game out of what Clowney does. And I, I just don't know how to say it anymore. He's a special talent. And the scariest thing for opposing offenses is that he still hasn't, even though he's gotten better in technique, he's still nowhere close to where he'll be by the end of his career. The best is still yet to come with this young man. Yeah, the frustration for me is just watching him develop and be on the field and be healthy this year, and, and, and there's no J.J. Watt. So that's that's been frustrating. Hey, Jason, before I let you go, Tell me uh, where people can find you, where they can hear your stuff. Uh, I do The Source, my show, The Source, on Sports Talk 790 right here in Houston. Uh, it's usually once or twice a week from 7 to 9 p.m. at night, uh, whenever the schedule allows. also do a post-game show with Greg Cook and Sean Jones there at Sports Talk 790 following Texans games. And uh, if you like fantasy football and you're trying to win some money, uh, really into daily fantasy, but I also help out with yearly as well. I work for Scout Fantasy, the Scout Army's one of the best. We've got some of the best experts. And, you know, we make you 
we make you win money. And uh, we do a show on Sirius XM Fantasy with Dr. Roto. And now Adam Ronis has come on and joined the Scout Army as well. And you can catch us there on Sirius XM Fantasy channels on Saturday and Sundays. Love talking to you, Jason. It's like you, you cut open one of his veins and he just bleeds football knowledge. Great to talk to you. And I'm going to wrap things up on Locked On Texans. This one brought to you by SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. If you're new to the podcast, it's all Texans all the time. Monday through Friday, Locked On Texans. It's all part of the Locked On Network of Podcasts, the fastest-growing sports audio network in the world. There's a podcast for all the NFL and NBA teams. And if you love the Rockets, check out Locked On Rockets with my buddy Ben DuBose. You can listen to us Every day by subscribing on iTunes or the TuneIn app. If you have anything you want us to discuss, contact us through our Locked On Texans Facebook page or on Twitter at Locked On Texans or at HST Podcast, my own Twitter account for Houston Sports Talk. Have a great day, everybody. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, my God.